We are just a week away from Razorback fall camp getting started and us really getting into the football season. But there's one particular thing that if Arkansas does each and every game this upcoming football season, they will win every game. We'll talk about that as well as the latest from some Razorback baseball signees and guys that are coming back and break it all down here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 103.7thebuzz.com. And I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend as uh, I know that SEC Media Days, we had a lot of that going on last week. A lot of things to talk about. And now we head into this week kind of like before fall camp really gets going. And so it's like this transitional period to where we got a little bit of a taste at Media Days. And now we got to wait a little bit till we start getting that next step further into what the season will actually have. So we're going to have fun on this podcast this week and still kind of talk about some of the stuff that may be going on and possibly uh, some other news too, like we had over the weekend when it came to baseball as well. But I wanted to do the podcast today because this was something that actually uh, I was on doing an interview on a radio show over the weekend. And one of the things that they brought up to me was something I thought was pretty fascinating and kind of, and kind of looking at, not only what uh, Arkansas is going to try to do this upcoming season to try to be successful, but also if they actually do execute this game plan, why they will be so successful. And people forget that Arkansas led the SEC in rushing last year. And they led the SEC in rushing last year. Uh, I'm almost, I'm pretty sure, I, I, I try to pull up some stats on it too, but uh, I'm pretty sure that they actually led the Power Five in rushing as well. So, you're talking about a team last year that Arkansas's offense, which was pretty successful, averaged about five touchdowns a game, uh, was able to to really do some nice things in the pass game and the rush game. In fact, was about as close to balanced as you could have, where you had about 2,500 yards on both sides and uh, you know very balanced to try to get to that point too. But now you have this upcoming season where, you know, we talk about wide receivers and the concerns there, the tight ends and concerns there, which are legitimate concerns. And I'm not trying to take anything away from it. But if you start to really think about the rushing attack, we don't talk about it. Why? Well, it's because everybody's assuming it's going to be great. Because you have four of your five starting offensive linemen back. You have KJ Jefferson back. And you have three extremely talented running backs, young running backs back with Dominic Johnson, Rocket Sanders, and A.J. Green. And so of all the things that we talk about, we break down, ooh, these transfers coming in and everything, running back and the running game doesn't get talked about because it's just established. Like, it's all right, well, we know that's going to be good. But the thing is, is that it, it is going to be good. But also... It could be the reason that Arkansas has the best type of season that they could have this upcoming year. And so I Sam Pittman at SEC Media Days talked a lot about different things that he, he was bringing up. And 
one of the things he did talk about was the running game and he made sure that he established like that's our that's our game right there that's our bread and butter our goal is to rush for over 300 yards per game and he even made the the comedy he's like i'm not saying we'll get to that every single game but that's the ultimate goal is to rush for 300 yards every single game and when you have an offensive line like arkansas has where you know ricky stromberg's an incredible player and cody kennedy has been doing a really great job with the offensive line and then you add in Sam Pittman, of course, wanting it to be that physical type of team to really be successful in the SEC and having the depth at running back and having an extremely gifted quarterback who can both run and pass. I'm not saying that you have to not worry about the passing game at all, but this we could see a season where Arkansas ends up being a team where they just dominate teams up front and just pound it, pound it, pound it until the other teams just have to basically submit and Arkansas ends up getting out of there with a victory. I started thinking about the Cincinnati game in that first upcoming game, and I'm like, you know what? That's what I'd like to see in that game. I'd like to see going up against the Cincinnati team, which is going to have a lot of new players, and obviously it's not going to be as physical as Arkansas, or at least they shouldn't be as physical as Arkansas, to be able to step right in and just work them, just destroy them physically in the rushing attack. And if Arkansas can just establish that, if they can put together the type of running game where I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, the three, the three headed monster like Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis, that ain't happening. But if you can have those three running backs be able to rotate them in and out and get them in positions to be successful and get them in the positions to really make the defensive fronts think a lot about how you're going to go along with it and the fact that you got KJ Jefferson, who's like 250 pounds going to be running at you too you have a chance to be extremely physical and if you can do that there's not a team that will beat you in the sec because we know that in this conference it's got the most talented the most speediest the most physical like all those things happen in this conference but the teams that seem to go the furthest or the teams that at least seem to have the most consistent success are teams that can be extremely physical up front and because of Sam Pittman and his background and because of what Arkansas did last year and now what we're seeing to hopefully what they can do this year, if they're able to establish that goal of a 300 yards per game type of team, there's not a team they'll lose to. Like, if you told me that in against Cincinnati, Arkansas is going to rush for 300-plus yards, they're not losing the game. Same thing against any team. Say that against South Carolina. Say it against Missouri State. Say it against A&M. Say it against Alabama. And again, I'm not saying that those are for sure going to happen, but if they do, just looking at based on the numbers, if you just take the numbers and put them up there and we look at box scores of the future and every single box score has Arkansas going for 300, 400 in that vicinity, rushing yards in each and every game, they will win each and every game. Because what that does is that establishes the run. It makes the clock obviously work through a little bit faster. It keeps your defense off the field. It keeps them as about as fresh as humanly possible, which is huge. Um, you're able to open up the passing game a lot easier where teams are going to be crashing in. You might be able to beat them over the top in some cases as well. And it just wears down the opposing team mentally. And not only with defensively they're getting worn down, because obviously that's a duh statement, but even the offense, it, it, it can wear to them a little bit mentally too, where it's just like, you they may score a touchdown, but then the other team just goes down, 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 scores each time. 
suddenly you're having to play catch up. You're having to work out things yourself and figure it out. And it just turns into a very difficult situation. So like all those things factored into one, it, it's just, it sets up nicely to where that could be something that actually happens this year. Like this team is good enough to be able to have that sort of rushing attack. This team is good enough to have an offensive line that can go over and beat other defensive fronts physically. They are good enough for that. The question becomes, can they actually execute that game plan? Are they in an offense that's based to be that way? And can they stay healthy enough to be able to do that? I honestly would love nothing more than to see KJ's passing numbers be the same or maybe even less than what it was last year if it means that the rushing game is going to be increased substantially. Like, not to say that they would have to do that just because of the passing game's not any good, but they wouldn't have to go through the, like, forcing themselves to pass, trying to get these wide receivers involved that may not be able to get involved the way they want. Whatever it may be. I just feel like if this past year you went for like, roughly around 2,500 rushing, 2,500 passing. If you got to the point where you were three to 35, 3,000 to 3,500 rushing and stayed even the same or even less, said 2,200 yards passing, 2,000 yards passing, whatever, I think Arkansas is going to have a better year this year than what they did last year. I think that a double digit win season could be in store for them. This is all based on the assumption of the defense playing better too, which, you know, we'll, we, we talk about that and we get to that. But if Arkansas establishes the rushing attack the way Sam Pittman wants it established, there's not a team in this country that'll be able to slow them down. But the question will be, can they do that? Can they be consistent with it? And can they go up against some of these great defensive fronts and be able to be the bigger man? Guess we'll have to wait and see till the season starts. As the sun comes out on small businesses and small businesses are back in businesses. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. I think everybody has a LinkedIn profile that they put together because not only do they see other people getting jobs and being able to stay social with it, but it opens up opportunities for those people. And it can also offer up, offer up an opportunity for you to be able to look at other jobs or see other jobs that are seeking after you as well. They help you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, moving on into our next segment here. I know we talk a, a lot of football, but there was some things in bass in baseball that uh, I had to bring up and wanted to uh, to dive into. So uh, one of the things that was, of course, uh, pretty big was in baseball, Connor Noland. You know, there were some questions about the possibility of him returning for another year, uh, which we know that. There's some people that felt like he was leaning towards that. I even was one of those people that felt like uh, he was leaning towards that as well. Just be just given the circumstances of what I'd been hearing and how he had been approaching it and all, and all of that, like it, it just seemed like something that added up and something that made a lot of sense. Well, as we found out, 
Uh, Connor Nolan actually is moving on. He, of course, was drafted by the Chicago Cubs uh, and uh, ended up being able to sign uh, with their organization because they even put out a tweet the other day that uh, ended up kind of confirming that. But he's going to be moving on. Also, uh, Evan Taylor was uh, was another guy who was also drafted in the ninth round by the Miami Marlins. Uh, he is uh, going to be signed. In fact, he signed for $140,000, which was actually $25,000 under slot value. But he does sign, so both Connor Nolan and Evan Taylor are moving on. Now, you know, these guys, obviously you would have preferred to have them back because they were dudes that uh, were able to contribute to the team in a major way this past college baseball season, particularly Connor Nolan, because he was your ace. And even though there were times during the season it may not have been perfect, once postseason hit, Connor Nolan became about as dominant of any sort of starting pitcher you'd ever see. I mean, he was just killing it. And he was someone that you had a lot of belief in of being able to take care of business, which he did. So, you know, losing him is going to be a little bit more difficult of a pill to swallow. But with them moving on, it makes sense. I mean, there were top 10 uh, draft picks, top 10 round draft picks. And, you know, with the organizations that they're going to and with the opportunities that they have for them to come back, it, it probably wouldn't be in their best interest. And even Dave Van Horn, I think, would, completely agree and understand he's like you know what this is this is something that they need to to move on from and to do the take their next step into their college baseball career which is fine uh now and again evan taylor was a fine player but the thing about connor nolan that you like something that he needs to be remembered for and respected for and everything like the guy came in with playing football and uh even started a game under chad morris and won that game against tulsa and uh, he ended up uh, obviously choosing baseball to go that route, which I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that was the right decision, not to say that he couldn't play quarterback, not saying that at all, but it's just because of the difficulty that it has where it's like there's only one quarterback and he can be the only guy. Well, now you have in baseball, there could be multiple pitchers and multiple opportunities to work your way up. And then in the case of what he did, work himself into that ace role. And so him choosing that, and then he had to deal with some injuries and, and had to go through some things like that. And then to have this past year where not only did they Arkansas have a good season, but they also had a little bit of a trial. They had a little bit of a, a slope, a, sl a slide down at the end of the year to which they returned it and came back and went to the College World Series, something they didn't do the previous year, which a lot of people were very disappointed by. So for him to come back and do it and be a part of that was huge. I just hope that people remember Connor Nolan for uh, that type of legacy, for a guy that Obviously, loved the Razorbacks, grew up a Razorback fan, came here to just play football and baseball, stuck with baseball, stuck it out, didn't transfer, didn't complain, just kept his head down and ended up having a really great year this year. And then, of course, turning it into him being a, uh, a ninth round draft pick to a Chicago Cubs organization, which, you know, say what you want if you're a Cubs fan or if you're not a Cubs fan, but it's just the way it goes sometimes. But it makes sense, and, and, it's, and it's something that nobody can really – say it was the wrong decision on his part. It absolutely was the right decision on his part. And I know that he's a smart kid that probably talked to his family and talked to everybody involved. And now he's going to be, he's going to be moving on and taking that next step, which again, you can't help, but uh, respect him for it and everything. Like seriously, like that's something that um, is, is just really cool. And in fact, of course he posted on social media about it too, and wanted to thank all the fans and which, you know, sometimes I feel like kind of can get overrated a little bit. Uh, especially if it doesn't seem sincere, but of course, 
uh, Connors was sincere, where he says, quote, Arkansas, I can't begin to thank you enough for the last four years. Thank you to my coaches, teammates, friends, fans, and my family for your unwavering support. Arkansas will always be home to me. Finally, thank you, the Cubs, for the opportunity to start this exciting journey. In fact, his profile picture already is uh, is a Chicago Cubs logo. So he is all in on that. So congratulations to Connor. Also, uh, some other good news, though. This is some shouldn't say other good news because I wouldn't say Connor leaving is necessarily you know good news. But still, some good news nonetheless. Brady Slavens officially announced that he will be coming back to the Razorbacks next year. Which is, this is okay, this is crazy because, I, I again, I'm not going to sit here and try to say that I know the ins and outs of baseball development and what pros look at and, you know, who looks good, who doesn't look good, where their draft stock is. Like, I don't know any of that stuff. But the fact that Brady Slavens didn't even get drafted is wild to me. I, I you know, seeing some of these other players that got drafted and, and, and out of college baseball and everything, it just it doesn't make much sense. But then he doesn't get drafted, so he's coming back. And that's huge because, you know, we talked about throughout uh, as soon as the season ended, where you basically had Connor, uh, yeah, uh, student Peyton Stovall was going to be the only player in the lineup returning uh, there. And then, you know, people said, well, Kendall Diggs could be there, which he will be, and he, he can be a part of it. But now that you have Brady Slavens, a guy that was had a really great year, a guy with a ton of experience, He's coming back like that's that's a huge positive for Arkansas. So, you know, because they're, they're not to say that they weren't bringing in some transfers or some guys that could step in and, and do a good job anyways. But the fact is, is like you want all the experience you can get, especially guys that uh, seem to be have a have a good bat on them like Brady Slavin's had. And again, the experience goes a long way. In fact, all Brady Slavin says, there's no place I'd rather be. See y'all at bomb. Hashtag run it back. And a picture of him uh, running out there on the field. So that's good to have him back. And I know that uh, he's wanting for sure to continue to build up his brand and continue to build up his game and hopefully become uh, a player that gets drafted in the Major League Baseball next year. But still, uh, some pretty big news, whether it's people leaving, people staying, Razorback baseball. But I'll be curious to see if we have any more of that coming up here in the next few weeks as well. We'll close up shop and get out of here on the Locked on Razorbacks podcast coming up next. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so uh, final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. It's funny, I had a tweet uh, that some people didn't really take the uh, right way, and at least one of them being the person I made the tweet about. And so I, I hate explaining things on social media especially when I'm making a joke, whether it's a maybe an ill-worded joke, which could have been this case. But trying to explain the joke in real life is tough. It's even tougher doing it on social media. So I left the tweet up. But anyways, Pat Forty, who, of course, uh, is a very well-known journalist and writes for Sports Illustrated. He's been around for a long time. Um, you know, I used, to, I used to read his stuff a lot, but uh, I can't say that, uh, you know, I... I obviously read the same amount that I once did, but either way he put out a Friday column uh, saying, and, and this is what the headline says. And again, I, you know, people talk about, well, I'll just read the article. Well, if your headline says something emphatic, then I'm going to react to that headline. Like regardless of what it says in your article. So Pat Forty's article, and, and this is his tweet. It says Friday column, Jeremy Pruitt cements his status as the SEC's worst football hire of the 21st century as the Bills continue to come due for the great Tennessee fan revolt of 2017. 
So I see that. And the only play thing I care about is what he says is when he like, he says, Jeremy Pruitt cements his status as the SEC's worst football hire of the 21st century. Now, obviously, he's referring to all the problems that came off the field in addition to. But even then, I'm like, Chad Morris is the worst. And that's not even a question. That's not even close. Does not matter what is written in his article. Chad Morris, I would still take Jeremy. If I'm a Razorback fan, I would have taken what Tennessee had with Jeremy Pruitt than I would have with Chad Morris. I'm just saying, because at least Jeremy Pruitt won some games. At least he didn't provide national embarrassment and made you the laughing stock of all of college football for two years, where you're on not sports centers, not top 10 plays right and left. I still would have taken that. Well, I quote tweeted and said, Pat deleted Chad Morris out of his memory like so many Hog fans. Now he mentions Chad Morris in the article. It was a joke just saying that hey, if he, he even forgot about Chad Morris if he thinks that Jeremy Pruitt was worse than him. That was my intent. But Pat Forty said, I guess you didn't read the column. And everyone was like, yeah, you idiot, you didn't read the column. I didn't want to or need to read the column because he put it in his tweet. It says that he is the worst hire. And I say, no, Chad Morris is the worst hire. It was just a difference of opinion. So the thing is, is like everyone was up in arms about that and, and discussing it. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like I said, I'm not going to try to explain it to people because it's not, it's not going to, it's not going to go well, I'm sure. But Either way, it's something that I still will stand my ground on and saying that Chad Morris is the worst. And in fact, I would even bet Tennessee fans would, would rather have the Jeremy Pruitt situation than what they what Chad Morris had. Like, I want to take a poll and ask all of the SEC teams, all SEC teams, and say, just take your worst moments, your worst eras in the 21st century. Would you have traded that with Arkansas, with Chad Morris, for those two years, the worst eras of the 21st century? And I guarantee you none of them, none of them would have said, oh, yeah, we would have absolutely traded those those day, our days with you, with you in Arkansas. Like, nobody would say that. So that's how I base my idea. It was like, who, who would you trade with? Who would trade with you? Nobody would. Nobody would deal with that. Like Tennessee's Jeremy Pruitt situation is nothing. Because everyone acts like, oh, these NCAA violations burr, 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 are the worst. Okay, in the 21st century, how many teams, how many programs that got hit with major high-level one violations and could not recover? Like Penn State had all that stuff going with Jerry Sandusky. Just a few years later, they're, they're, they're fighting for the Big Ten title. Like Ole Miss got hammered. And they just came out like this was just less than 10 years ago. They got hammered by the NCAA. And what happens? Last year, they had their first 10-win season in history. So people that think that just the NCAA, anytime you get hit with violations, oh, this, this is ridiculous. You know, that's, like, that's I can't believe this. It, it doesn't do anything. Like, yeah, it probably has a, a, an impact on those few years there when it actually gets bowl bans and all that. But you think Ole Miss cares? I think Penn State is up there still feeling like, and I'm talking about on the field, feeling the, the, the effects from that era? No. And these are all things that happened just in the past decade. So it, that's a joke. Like what Chad Morris did had more of an impact negatively than what, uh, than what those people went through with the NCAA violations. Like it's just, it's just not the case. So anyways, that was my point. It may not have been clearly made, but for those of you who saw the tweet, that's what I was referring to. 
And Chad Morris is still not only the worst SEC hire, but the worst Power 5 college football hire in the history of college football. Change my mind, but you won't. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. Keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.